the Vietnam War and the push for US involvement was a result of the Gulf of Tonkin incident. A lie. The Iraq War famously is a result of lies. Wars in Somalia are a result of lies. The Second World War and the German invasion of Poland was a result of carefully constructed lies. That is war by media. Let us ask ourselves of the complicit media, which is the majority of the mainstream press, what is the average death count attributed to each journalist? That was uh, Anton Karras, the third man. I know you're tired of hearing that because you already know. And that was uh, Julian Assange uh, from a uh, anti-war demonstration in 2010. I'm Randy Critical. This is Randy Critical, Assange Countdown to Freedom, but uh, also a Randy Critical live on the fly. And earlier uh, today, I interviewed John Pilger on my WBAI live on the fly radio show. And it was in the middle of a fundraising drive. So what we've done today, my very creative, hardworking engineer editor out of North Carolina, Kelly Lane, uh, has agreed to take what we uh, had between me and John uh, and to put that out there, just our interview uh, with, um, with just a couple of different changes. Um, and that's about it. Let me, let me just say, first of all, uh, my heart goes out to the friends and family of Kevin Zeese, who was a great, great, great activist and friend of mine. Uh, we will miss him, at, particularly at this point in time. So that being said, um, this is um, about the uh, trial that's uh, taken place or the proceedings, the hearing, the extradition hearing of Julian Assange in London, uh, which uh, started again Monday. And uh, now it is Wednesday. Uh, so after three days, we tracked down John Pilger in London, and we had this really nice 35-minute uh, interview with him, and we decocted all of the stuff that surrounded it and made it into a short video here. Uh, so let's just uh, get right into it. Um, we're going to, and by the way, John Pilger is the greatest journalist to walk the face of the planet, you know, hands down. Uh, seriously, he's won more awards than anybody. He's got 61 uh, films uh, that you can get on his website, johnpilger.com, and also at the British Library. All of his stuff is archived there. So it's, it's a, an amazing, unparalleled uh, body of work. And I uh, suggest that if you have uh, children during this lockdown uh, and, and not going to school, have them watch these films going back to 1970 with Vietnam and all the way up to uh, the war on the NHS, and which I'm not sure it's on there on the website, but I do know 
You can get it at Bullfrog Films. Uh, but everything else up to the coming war on China. Uh, John Pilger is, like I said, a very dear friend of Julian Assange. She's done about 25 interviews with me. He's been very generous. And uh, I have nothing but the highest admiration for John Pilger. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play the interview after June Tabor, who Julian Assange said, you've got to play June Tabor's version of the band played and the band played Waltz and Matilda, which we're going to do, and then we'll get into John. And at the end of it, um, and this is uh, Martha Gellhorn, um, who is a close friend of John uh, Pilger, and he uh, is one of the, um, he runs the uh, Gellhorn um, uh, Funds uh, Award Show, and Julian Assange is a recipient. So at the end, she made her bones big uh, during the Spanish Civil War. At the end, we're gonna play uh, Leonard Cohen, the partisan, it's about the Spanish Civil War. So when, when that's over, that's it. So when John's done, it's going to go into uh, the partisan and uh, by Leonard Cohen and the show's over. Okay, but enjoy this show uh, and we'll see you very soon. Thank you. When I was a young man, I carried me back. And I lived the free life of the rover From the Murray's Green Bay Sun to the dusty outback I waltzed my Matilda all over Then in 1915 the country said, son It's time to stop rambling, there's work to be done and they gave me a tin hat and they gave me a gun And they sent me away to the wall And the band played waltzing Matilda As our ship pulled away from the quay Amidst all the cheers, the flag waving and tears we sailed off to Gallipoli. As promised, let's, let's get right into it. Thank you, John, for the patience. Uh, and uh, okay, Randy, good to uh, good to be on the program again after these years. Yes, yes, John. I was just um, talking about uh, we did this way back. Uh, this uh, program, which we call the Sanj Countdown to Freedom, uh, started on April. Uh, 4th, 2017, you and Julian were on the same show. And, um, you know, it's been such a Sisyphus type of, uh, uh, you know, procedure for Julian. I mean, it's just when we think there's some light at the end of the tunnel, there's a, another tunnel. Uh, can you give us a recap of this week, uh, what happened in London, and then give us a pre-cap leading mm -hmm. up to it? <laughs> Brandy. Come on, that's that's asking for the history of the world. But I'll okay. give you, uh, I'll give you just uh, my thoughts of uh, what has happened this week. Um, we're now on day three of the extradition hearing being held at the Central Criminal Court in London, known as the Old Bailey, and <clears throat> the uh, the. The proceedings are following pretty much as they did before uh, with 
bias, uh, a kind of presence in the courtroom. Uh, the judge or magistrate, as she really is, Vanessa Pareza, <clears throat> has demonstrated uh, her preferences in in this case very early on, and <clears throat> this is this is no different. We've seen um, the defence has brought forward uh, people like today, Professor Paul Rogers of Bradford University, uh, who uh, began the peace studies um, department at Bradford. He suggested that really all this was about or one of the reasons that this was happening to Julian was Trump taking uh, personal revenge, if you like, on Obama, that Obama had not uh, prosecuted over the, uh, the years he was in power, eight years, he had not prosecuted uh, Julian, he had not prosecuted WikiLeaks, um, <clears throat> Chelsea Manning had been prosecuted and many others. In fact, ironically, Obama, Obama had the, uh, uh, holds the record as a president for prosecuting whistleblowers. But according to Professor Bradford, and I think it was probably an opinion more than anything else, but it's interesting that such is the personal animosity that uh, Trump feels towards Obama that the prosecution of, of Julian Assange is about a personal war between Trump and Obama. Now, <laughs> I don't know whether uh, that's true or not. I think it has some credibility, certainly, because Washington is really a series of turf battlegrounds uh, and um, there's no doubt the prosecution of Assange came largely from some of the more extreme people that Trump brought into the administration such as Pompeo and Pompeo is as close to a fascist as you can get and I use that don't use that word uh, very much, but I think he is. He's a religious fanatic. Uh, and <clears throat> he made it very clear when WikiLeaks uh, published the Vault 7 files that really showed that the CIA was spying on everybody. And they could spy on you through your television set. Um, it was an extraordinary achievement for WikiLeaks to get these files, and they did a great public service. But it was also unforgivable, and Pompeo made that very clear in a, a now infamous speech in which uh, he described uh, 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 he described Assange as a, a, a non-state hostile actor you know, uh, you know, john we actually have a clip i think reggie we have a clip of that uh yep. that short 
put that on. It's only like 20 seconds. You could. Okay. By Pompeii. Hold on. This is uh, Pompeo from... uh, It's time to call out WikiLeaks for what it really is. A non-state hostile intelligence service often abetted by state actors like Russia. We know this because Assange and his ilk make common cause with dictators today. Yes, they try unsuccessfully to cloak themselves and their actions in the language of liberty and privacy. But in reality, they champion nothing but their own celebrity. Their currency is clickbait. Their moral compass non-existent. Their mission... Personal self-aggrandizement through destruction of Western values. All right, there you go, John. You can continue. Well, you know, everything that Pompeo says there is absurd. Uh, But it is the language of, of, of the big lie in the 21st century. Um, All that stuff about American values. Earlier on, Randy, you said you asked me to give you something of the backstory. Well, the backstory is in those two words, American values. America is the problem. Uh, The United States is the problem. Uh, And I'm not talking about vaguely esoteric terms like exceptionalism. I'm talking about Americanism. Uh, It has been endangering the world. For most of for most of my lifetime, and here we have uh, here we have just released from uh, Brown University an exhaustive new report co-authored by Professor David Vine, uh, in which uh, and I know David Vine, uh, in which he. The report conservatively estimates that 37 million people, the equivalent to the entire population of Canada, have been forced to flee their home country or have become internally displaced uh, within the two decades of an unending U.S. war called the War on Terror, uh, and that that uh, uh, the numbers of people, he's saying this is a very conservative estimate, the real number of people displaced by United States actions, by United States um, uh, invasions, and by so-called American values, I have to say, is probably closer to 48 to 59 million people dislocated across the world uh, and and of course he gives various estimates uh, all of them very conservative of millions of people who have died during this this is the kind of suffering this is the kind of human suffering that has happened under the rubric of american values which is so well represented by Pompeo and Trump and before them by Obama, who conducted seven wars of aggression uh, and and so on and so forth. So uh, Julian Assange took 
this monster on. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. WikiLeaks took it on, took it on with truth. The interesting thing about WikiLeaks is that it, it holds an absolutely unique record uh, that all its disclosures are authentic, 100% authentic. Now, throughout my own career, I've had a number of what we call business still rather romantically scoops. But to make sure those scoops were authentic is the hard bit. All of WikiLeaks' scoops, one after the other, of telling millions of people across the world how the powerful behave and misbehave and lie in their name. That's what they've done. Now, that they that's intolerable to the likes of Pompeo, who really is at the far extreme, putting aside right wing here. It's an extreme that's a kind of lunar extreme uh, where you have a state of permanent war, uh, often articulated by uh, Pentagon generals such as Petraeus, permanent war. That's what they represent. Julian Assange and WikiLeaks exposed them. They exposed them with the most basic, powerful, honorable, and proper kind of journalism. That's unforgivable. John, you uh, have been very critical of uh, mainstream media in their portrayal of Julian Assange and not supporting Julian Assange. How ominous it? for them, ominous is it for them not to support Julian Assange at this point in time? Randy, I don't think I've been critical of them for not supporting him because I wouldn't expect them to support him. Uh, and I think we have to be careful that we, we don't feign this surprise. Oh, why aren't they supporting him? Uh, well, they're not supporting him because they're part of uh, they are the propaganda arm of of American power and of, of British power and of, of of Western power. The very the very thing that WikiLeaks has exposed. But I suppose what I have tried to do is to point out the hypocrisy of those who claim to be. Uh, doing a job of journalism, that is calling power to account um, and uh, 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 speaking truth to power, if you like, uh, and challenging power. It's not simply amplifying the propaganda of power. There are a number of journalists that claim to be doing that. Uh, and that's what I've been most critical of. And that leads us to what is often called the liberal press uh, in the United States. It's the New York Times, Washington Post, some television outlets. Uh, in this country, it's The Guardian. Uh, the Guardian is particularly interesting in 
because I think it's probably the embodiment of what I'm talking about. The Guardian actually, as you mentioned in the build-up, the Guardian published uh, 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 some of the most traumatic of WikiLeaks's disclosures, the war logs from Afghanistan and Iraq, which showed the degree to which the United States was conducting a kind of homicidal campaign rather than a war in these countries. Uh, the Guardian uh, took all this was Julian Assange's work, WikiLeaks's work. The Guardian took the WikiLeaks work, won many prizes, including a Pulitzer and uh, their leading reporters wrote books and Hollywood scripts and made money and so on. Assange, of course, didn't get a penny. Not only that, Assange was, his usefulness was over. So he was kicked out, basically kicked out of a club which he never joined. And a smear campaign, uh, which really got going in about 2011 by The Guardian, is something I've never known an equivalent of in my career. Uh, sort of still going on in a way by um, excluding, for instance, in its reporting of this court case at the moment, of really uh, uh, excluding the significant parts of evidence. But throughout the last decade, the Guardian has conducted the most vicious smear campaign, witch hunt. I can't think of all those other words that describe it, uh, against uh, Julian Assange personally. I don't know how the man has stood up to it. I have known him during that whole time. And personally, I don't think I could bear it. But he has, he has borne it, and his resilience, uh, as those who see him in court will know, is on display just a bit. He looks pretty battered, but his resilience is, is clear and obvious. Now, that's, this, that's The Guardian, the most enlightened newspaper in this country as it presents itself. Uh, uh, a series of smears and fabrications uh, and the prosecution yesterday, quoting from a book written by two of the Guardians, journalists Luke Harding and David Lee, uh, who are very much part of the anti-Assange campaign. Uh, uh, Harding has made a name himself sort of i suppose as a as a cold warrior uh producing uh, uh, anti-putin and anti-russia material uh when required um, so this camp this personal campaign against julian assange is what i've been most eager to 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 show to people 
But this is what happens when the press, claiming to be one thing, but is really absorbed into uh, a power structure, as the Guardian is. Luke Harding, yes. Uh, by the way, this is uh, Randy Critical, Randy Critical, live on the fly on 99.5 FM in New York City, WBAI.org on the web. Uh, we are talking with award-winning uh, filmmaker, uh, war correspondent, John Pilger. John, um, let me uh, say, did you uh, make it to the trial? I understand you showed up, but uh, you didn't get in. I did get in. I get it. I got in, and I thought I was in. In fact, I sat down in what looked like the court, but it wasn't. It wasn't the right court. Myself and the editor in chief of WikiLeaks sat and stared at a court where there were small monitors in the in the distance, and we could barely hear. Um, and his patience much greater than mine. So I didn't stay very long. I left. I I hope to be there uh, again this week, uh, possibly on Friday. Um, the the chaos around this uh, case, such as we witnessed on Monday, with people. Uh, six people in, uh, in it, as it ended up, six people, five or six people in the public gallery of the main court at the Old Bailey with plenty of seats around, plenty of opportunities for social distancing. Why? Um, well, we'd be very naive. In fact, we'd be terminally naive to think there wasn't a reason why. This case is really a serious threat to uh, an order of violence and, and inequality and exclusion that blights the world at the moment, quite apart from the present coronavirus uh, problem. Uh, and uh, what we charmingly call establishments will do everything they can uh, to stand in the way of a victory for justice in this case um, but there must be a victory for justice absolutely uh, we are talking with john pilger I, john um the prosecution in this case the crown prosecutor services uk um, they seem to be uh, getting their strings pulled by the uh, uh, Justice Department uh, representatives uh, sitting directly behind them. Is that the sense that you get? Well, yes. Um, the, what, the, when I attended last year, um, one of the uh, one of the preliminary hearings at another court in London. Uh, the uh, Justice Department uh, representatives, about four or five of them, uh, they had a, they sat near, just behind the prosecution and they had a, a young woman who took their messages uh, and delivered them by hand to 
the lawyer conducting the prosecution. So they were really directly conducting the case in a foreign courtroom. The judge uh, could see this very clearly, but she wasn't at all bothered by it, it seemed. Um, so they they are taking part directly in this. The um, their incompetence may undo them. That's a that is a very interesting prospect because they put up the original indictment had eighteen charges, seventeen of which were espionage. So basically, saying that journalism is espionage based on a 1917 World War I uh, Act of Congress aimed at, um, I think, conscientious objectors and and peace activists during the First World War. They had to dig this out to try and find something they could throw at Assange. And there's, there's an 18th one that has to do with hacking that, it doesn't add up to anything really it doesn't make sense uh, so most of it is espionage now near the end of june the department of justice called a, a press conference that is long after they put in their their indictment the deadline here had passed uh, both prosecution and defense had to have their arguments and their witness statements uh, laid out before a certain date. But long after that, they produced something else. And it was like a, it was like a strange fantasy. It involved a, 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 a convicted uh, forger and pedophile in Iceland uh, who they they nicknamed the teenager, uh, um, who um, um, he'd, he'd, he'd crossed swords as with WikiLeaks. It really didn't want anything to do with him. Long time ago in Iceland, they and they they dug this guy out. I'm not sure. No one's really sure for what reason. Utterly discredited individual. Uh, but this was considered to be a new indictment. I mean, who is running things over there? Is it a, it seems like a version of Alice's Tea Party. <laughs> um, but um, anyway, they, so the lawyers here don't know really what to do. They prepared a case based on the 18 charges, 17 of which espionage, They and they could, they were confident they could demolish this in any proper court of law, I have to say. Then this came along and it wasn't really an indictment. It was like something scribbled on the back of an envelope. Um, what was it about? Everyone scratched their head and they're still scratching their heads. They don't know what to do with it. Uh, I don't think the judge, the judge uh, uh, who's uh, whose attitude in this case is pretty obvious to anyone who sees her in action. But I don't think even she knows what to do with it. Yeah.
Uh, so where all this is heading, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to say, Randy. That judge, uh, I've never seen anyone more biased, even in the uh, Jeremy Thorpe case. Uh, have I seen a judge uh, so uh, biased against uh, someone? And uh, here we have, uh, you know, the Crown Prosecutor Services. Are, are, are they enthusiastic uh, about what they're doing? Or are they just going through the motions because they have to? What is your sense? Well, who who knows if they're, they're, they're enthusiastic? I think you yourself, um, uh, identified some of the Department of Justice people um, at the uh, one of the pre-preliminary hearings, and I think I remember you describing them as just a, a bunch of young suits who really out of law school not too long, just getting on with with uh, promoting their own careers. So who knows who's enthusiastic and in this what the the force that is enthusiastic is the political center in the united states whether it's trump or pompeo the cia the nsa whatever it's that national security um, apparatus they are very enthusiastic about putting julian assange away forever and they are in this country too. Uh, the Crown Prosecution sur Service, as you know, in, in 2013 uh, could have stopped this and thrown it out. The Swedes, the Swedish uh, prosecutor, uh, having promoted a completely fraudulent case of sexual assault against Julian Assange, wanted out wanted to get out uh, and the Crown Prosecution Services has leaked emails released under the Freedom of Information Act to the Italian journalist Stefania Maurizzi uh, showed very clearly they did not want this. Uh, don't lose your cool, I'm paraphrasing them. Don't, they, they said they wanted it to go on. At that point, the whole thing should have been thrown away because yes. you've got to remember it's very difficult for me to make almost rational comment in this because it is a farce it is a deeply black farce but it's a farce it has nothing to do with justice i mean in any proper court of law these these farcical charges either the first indictment or the Tea Party indictment from June would have been thrown out by any self-respecting uh, uh, judge. No question about that. I totally agree with you, John. John, uh, we have five minutes left. I, I want to, uh, you know, Julian Assange uh, very well. Uh, people don't know he's been smeared. Uh, in a few minutes, tell us what kind of individual uh, Julian Assange is as a human being. He's a very admirable person. I like him. Uh, and when I read uh, comments that he is uh, an unlikable person or difficult or so on, uh, 
All I know is that he's a very clever person. He thinks strategically a lot. He's, he seems to be, he thinks a bit, he has a sort of permanent chess game going on, I think, because he's a very clever individual. But he's also a very human and very funny. He has a wonderfully black sense of humor. And we actually, when I visited him in Belmarsh, uh, maximum security prison, we actually spent part of the time laughing about the happy clappy slogans on the wall. Uh, he was telling me about when he was allowed a bit of exercise and there was a sign out there, enjoy, enjoy the blades of grass beneath your feet. There was no grass. There was just concrete or asphalt. Uh, he, he was kept in uh, a medical, so-called medical wing with some very seriously disturbed people. Uh, one of them who kept screaming in the cell next door to him all night. In a sort of one flew over the cuckoo's nest sense, he made black fun of this. That is extraordinary. And uh, I, I remember the last time I saw him in Belmarsh, we used to part company, walk away from the visitor's room. He'd be sitting alone. Uh, he used to wear this blue prison uniform with a yellow armband, uh, rather sinister thing on, on his arm. And I'd look back. And he, there he'd be with his hand up and his fist, fist clenched. That's an admirable man. He really, he really is, uh, John. John, you're an ad admirable man. Uh, you are uh, such a great journalist, uh, filmmaker. JohnPilger.com. Uh, we hope to get you back uh, whenever you're available, John, to keep us updated uh, on this process uh, that's going on, this show trial uh, in London and the Old Bailey. And once again, John, uh, thanks for your time with us here at WBAI. And thank you to you, Randy, for all the, the work you've done, whereas others have neglected this willfully. You have been there covering it year after year. Thank you for that. All right. John Pilger, ladies and gentlemen. Across the border, I was cautioned to surrender. This I could not do. I took my gun and vanished. I have changed my name so often. I've lost my wife and children, but I have many friends. And some of them are with me An old woman gave us shelter Kept us hidden in the garret Then the soldiers came She died without a whisper There were three of us this morning I'm the only one this evening 
but I must go on. The frontiers are my prison. Oh, the wind, the wind is blowing. Through the graves, the wind is blowing. Freedom soon will come. Then we'll come from shadow. Les Allemands étaient chez moi. Ils me disent signe-toi, mais je n'ai pas peur. Come from the shadow. 